It's God's light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. Okay, let me ask you a hypothetical question today. If something happened and I wasn't able to come out and preach, is there anybody in the room that would step up and do it? Don't worry, I'm coming. I'm coming. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I just got this in the mail, and, and um, this is my dissertation that I just finished on death and dying. Yeah, I know, it's great. Yeah, no, thanks. No one's ever going to read it. It's going to be in the library, and it's great. It's, it's, uh, that's a big book on death, right? Um, uh, it's great at parties, you know, when I, when I go to parties. What'd you write on? Oh, yeah, you want to know? Um, but, you know, I'll tell you something that I learned. I'll tell you something that God's how God used this journey in my life. It's taught me something. Uh, and if you're around me very much, you'll, you'll hear me say this. It comes out of me often, that you've always got to be ready to die. That seems really morbid, but it's the truth. None of us know when our last day will be. And the bottom line is every one of us has to be ready to meet the Lord. And you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. And I thought about my last day with the Lord. You can't write something that thick on death and dying without thinking about your last day. And I, I, I pray that my last day, God finds me right in the middle, that I meet the Lord right in the middle of his will, right in the middle of serving him. But if you're around me very, very long, you'll always, you also hear me say, you got to be ready to die. You also have to be ready to preach, Okay. You know, the truth is, uh, I, you may think, oh, Chris, no way could I come up and give a three-point sermon on the spur of the moment. Uh, I get that. That's not necessarily my point. But all of us need to be ready to give a witness for Christ and be a witness for Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, if Jesus has saved you, you have to be ready all the time. This morning, we're in Acts chapter 6, and it's Stephen, and it was his last day on the earth. He didn't know it was his last day. Uh, he figured it out as it was progressing. But, but I'll tell you, he was a layman. Let's, let's look at Stephen for a second. And he was a, he was a Greek. He was a, a Gentile uh, that had come to faith in Christ. Uh, he was an incredible leader in the church. He was a servant. As Chad said, he was a deacon. He was serving in the church. 
And I'll tell you, God used him in a, in a tremendous way, in a, in a supernatural way. And, and when I think about our church, I think about what God is doing here. And, and God's moving in our church, and, and, and God is preparing us. And what, what we need to understand today, and a big point, if I can just summarize this message, I'm going to preach longer than this one sentence, so don't worry. But, um, but we all need to be ready to serve the Lord, every one of us. You know, what's interesting about Stephen is he was a layman. He was uh, not an apostle. He was not the one that was getting up and preaching in front of every, everyone. He was serving. But God called him on his last day on the earth to preach an incredible sermon. It's honestly one of the longest sermons ever recorded in Scripture, and it's not written, it's not by a preacher. Isn't that interesting? It shows that we've all got to be ready. We've all got to pay attention. Now, now you know what? I, I love what God's doing in the life of our church. Um, you know, all through our church's history, God has been at work. But, but it seems that, that every church, I think, has opportunities and moments where God works and does something special, does something unique. And, 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 and I think that God is doing something new in the life of our church. And, and, and when that happens, I mean, when, when churches take steps of faith and, and get out into the unknown, it's, it's, it moves us to our knees. And, and when I think about movements of God in churches over my life, it always started with prayer and, and seeking the Lord. And then that moved us to a little uncomfort, discomfort, and, and taking steps into the unknown. And, but that's such an exciting journey, an exciting adventure when in, in your life, in, in individually, it's exciting because when God moves you to take a step of faith and step out into the unknown and trust him, there's nothing like it trusting the Lord and living by faith. And, and you know, so many people get stuck into this, oh, I'm just going to be casual about my faith. But, but that's not any of us. That's not our call in our lives. We're called to live by faith and trust the Lord. And, and I, I, it's just such an incredible example, a, 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 a incredible adventure when you walk with the Lord and you're listening to his voice, and as a church, look at what God is doing. He's moved us into the unknown as we have branched into two campuses, and, and we're praying about, and I'm asking, we're asking uh, for people from this campus to go serve at our Calvary campus, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, we're praying for 75 people that will go. I think our last count is we're up to 45 or something, and uh, so we're praying for God to move us out of our comfort zone. And, and you know, it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing. And right here in Acts 6, and I want to come back to the book of Acts because, you know, we've taken a four-week break over the Easter season, uh, turning our attention to Easter. But, but now I want us to come back and pick up where we were uh, just a few uh, weeks ago, and in Acts 6, we ended when the church was growing, and, and they were, it was exciting, and, and people were being saved, but just like every time God moves, just like every time there, are, there is growth, and there is a step into the unknown, that leads to satanic attacks, and conflict, and challenge, 
that has to be dealt with. And here's what you saw in Acts 6, 1 through 7, that, that the church came together to solve some problems because anytime you go into the unknown, anytime you step into faith, there are challenges that you have to overcome. But God is faithful to always help us bring, uh, find solutions. And God's word is, leads us and, and we're called to tackle problems. And, and this is the true in our, in our church. This is true in your marriage. If your marriage is struggling, you come to Jesus and, and you, you put God's word into practice. That's what, that's what the, the church was doing, the early church was doing. Now, now the writer Luke, he, he kind of turns the camera to just some individual guys. And over the next few weeks, we're going to turn the camera on to what Luke recorded. As, as we look at these individuals, it's interesting, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. But, but the truth is, Luke doesn't turn the camera on all of the apostles. He actually now, in, Luke, in, in Acts chapter 6, Luke turns the attention to Stephen, which is a layman. And God used him on his last day in the earth in a, in a supernatural way. Now, over the next two weeks, we're going to walk through what Stephen went through on this last day. So if you have your Bible, stand with me and, and let's look at Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 8. We're going to read through verse 15 in chapter 6, but we're going to try our best to, to hustle through all the way through chapter 7, verse 53. We're not going to read all of it, but let's uh, just read Acts 6, 8 through 15. God's word says this. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against the holy, this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, look at this verse. Look at this incredible moment. I mean, verse 8 talks about that, that he describes Stephen as being full of grace and power. He was a man that was walking with God, that was, that was serving the Lord. And this, this uh, reference here, it's interesting because uh, God was using him. God was working through him. The Spirit of God was powerfully at work in him and through him. And you know that's our call as a believer? You know, the moment you come to know Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And, and, and for all of us in this room, all of us in the church, we're all called to be men and women who are living by the Spirit and walking with God. 
that the Spirit of, of God is, is, is we're called to, to, to lean into the voice of the Lord and, and pay attention to what he says. And, to, and, to, and we say it all the time here that, that we're to be a people, and I pray that we are a people that moves every time God tells us to move. And this is what I pray that we're like at work, in our community, in our, when we're preaching the word and studying the Bible, that we're, Lord, we're responsive to your voice. That's what Stephen was like. And, and it's interesting that uh, this is the first reference to anyone preaching other than the apostles in, in the New Testament. And he stands up and preaches on this day. And, and, and what I like about Stephen is that, is that he was ready to serve the Lord. He was ready to die. He was ready to preach. And there, there's something, he's ready to be a witness. And I, and I want us to confront that question today. Right now, are you ready to be a witness for Christ? Are you ready to stand for the Lord, to, to, to stand up and speak about what Jesus has done for you? You know, we have, I run into so many that are afraid to stand for Christ. You know, on their baseball teams, on their, uh, we, we hang out with a lot of baseball players. And this summer, in a few weeks, we're, we're getting our next season of the ambassadors. Our baseball guys are going to come, and we're going to get to hang with them. And, and we're going to prepare them, not only on the baseball field, but we're going to prepare them to take a stand for Christ in their dugouts, in their lives. And that's all of us, folks. That's interesting as you look at what happened as this scene unfolded. Um, verse 10, uh, the, 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 these men come against Stephen. Stephen wasn't this casual follower of Christ. And, 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 and he, he comes and, and, and it says, they could not withstand the wisdom and, with the and the spirit with which he was speaking. Today, if we're going to be ready, can I, can I challenge us with a couple of things? If you have your notes, follow along. Number one, when you look at how Stephen was ready, why he was ready, number one, his heart and mind was settled on Christ. And it's my prayer that every one of us today can settle our hearts and minds on Jesus. Can I ask you, is your heart and your mind settled on Jesus? Have, have, you, have you surrendered to him? Have you... Have you finally said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. We, as a follower of Christ, what it means to follow him and know him as Lord is that we've come to the point where we say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender. I love that song, old song. I surrender all. Are you surrendered to Christ? Stephen was. And then I think about it. How was he surrendered? Why was he so passionate? Why was he, why was he so engaged in, in walking with the Lord? Well, well, we know about Stephen from Acts chapter 6. What was he doing? He was serving the Lord. He was serving. He was involved in, in the ministry that God had called him to. He, he knew he had gifts. He knew he had abilities, and he was serving. And here's something I want you to know about, about, about maybe you're not ready. Maybe you're not settled on Christ. You know, you know, one of the ways to get settled on Christ is to start to serve. Do you know that serving is the track to spiritual growth? And I want to ask you, how are you serving? And, you know, if you've ever taught a Sunday school class, you've discovered that, man, when I start teaching, when I start studying to, to teach my class, I grow more spiritually as a teacher than anybody in my class. Or if you've ever been on a mission trip, I, so few people go on a mission trip. I want to challenge you to take advantage of the many mission trips that we, that we uh, take around our church. 
Because, because when you go on a trip and get outside of your comfort zone and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a vacation with a purpose and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you, I'll tell you, it, it grows you spiritually. I think about all the folks that helped us at the Passion Week experience. Oh my goodness, I, I am blown away at the, at the amount of work that so many did to make the Passion Week experience happen and then to make Easter Sunday just hours after the Passion Week was over happened. So many people were serving and what, 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 if you talk to those that were engaged in serving, they would tell you, oh my goodness, God used that in my life. And I want you to know something about Stephen. We got to learn from him because he was ready. He was ready to represent Christ. But look at his life. He was right in the middle of serving. And so many people, even in the church, live for themselves. And folks, we're called to serve. And I think about the many opportunities we have from preschool all the way to senior adults in, in the life of our church, the mission as, as we get that underway. I mean, we're going to need people to serve there, people going to serve at Calvary in our new campus. That, that's something that, that some of you need to pray and go serve. Some of you are sitting too long. Some of those that are going to Calvary, their spots are going to be vacated here. We're going to need some people stepping up. Folks, serving is the track to spiritual growth. You know what burdens me about, you know what was convicting me about Easter Sunday? I, I was burdened about Easter. I read an article right before Easter, and, and it was uh, written by a nun. Now, I'm not talking about a Catholic nun, okay? Uh, N-O-N-E-S. You know what that is? The Pew Research has come out with uh, this new category of people in America and really around the world. And they call them the nuns. And it's, they say it's the fastest growing religious group in the nation, in the world. And, and nuns represent those that have really no affiliation to any church. Um, most would say, yeah, I believe in God, but I really don't have a faith in God. I read a story about written by a nun, and, and he uh, articulated the fact that I went to church every, twice a year on Christmas and Easter. And I think, well, of course you don't have a faith if that's all you do is go on Easter and Christmas. And that's why on Easter Sunday I have prayed and we worked hard to say, I want to make a case for you that Jesus is the way to heaven. Because that burdens my heart that nuns are growing rapidly in our culture. And folks, I don't want, you know, I, don't, I think about my children. I want them to be growing up in a situation in their lives where they're living by faith and trusting the Lord. That's where Stephen was. Stephen was like, look, I got to serve. I got to respond to the Lord. I got I to step up and meet needs for the kingdom of God. And this is why this morning I pray that we, see, we hear that. We see that in the life of Stephen. And, and as you look at how this unfolds, you can see that opposition was a part of walking with Jesus. And, and folks, we got to recognize that as we walk with the Lord, as we trust the Lord, as we become a church that steps into the unknown and lives by faith and, and doesn't stay focused on our past, but look towards the future at what God's doing today and tomorrow, I'll tell you, we should expect opposition. I mean, that's what's going on in the early church. God was, people are being saved and lives are being changed. Um, 
It's interesting that, that Acts 6-8 tells us that Stephen was full of grace and power. Um, grace is this ability to give and care for someone who doesn't deserve it. Power is the dynamic God-energized life. And folks, every one of us are called to help and minister and serve. And God has equipped you. Yeah, you may not stand up here in this pulpit and preach, but let me tell you something. All of us have the responsibility of service and sharing the gospel. And I'll tell you, there's a false idea in the church that, that oh, I'm going to let those with the gift of evangelism to go share their faith. No, we are all called to share our faith. And Stephen understood that. Look at verse 9. Apparently his preaching and his life caught some attentions of at least three groups. He says, Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. They were mad at him. They disputed with him. Uh, these three groups were interesting. They, they were uh, Greek. A lot of them were Greek-speaking. Uh, the freedmen were Greek-speaking Jews in, in, in Jerusalem, and they had been slaves, and they had now were a part of the church. The second were, were Jews from Egypt, uh, the Pyrenians and Alexandrians. Then the uh, Asia and Cilicia, they, they, they came from Tarsus and, and Cilicia, Who's from Tarsus? You remember who was from Tarsus? Saul. Saul was there. Saul was a leader from Tarsus. So, so we know this is a, this is a hostile envir environment. This is a scary thing. I mean, I mean, you know, if you got up to preach on a Sunday morning here, people would probably be gracious to you if you flubbed a little bit. I mean, shoot, you're gracious with me when I flub, and I do it all the time. Thank you, by the way. But, but here is... Stephen in a hostile environment. I mean, people are, are, are angry with him. And he steps up here, and, and he's, it's wrong what they're doing. I mean, you know, some scholars say Stephen's only been a believer for about two years. And I hear people say, oh, I can't serve. I haven't been a Christian very long. Look, no, 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 Stephen wasn't a Christian very long. Nobody was a Christian very long at this point. You know, it's new. But Stephen had known the Lord about two years. But he was stepping up going, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Then look at verse 11. It says, then they secretly instigated men who said, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. Now, this is a scary thing. This is like the, the, the council had been the ones that were about to kill uh, Peter and John. They, they, they had had them flogged. I mean, this is, a, this is not, a, not their buddies. I mean, this is a scary moment in Stephen's life. He knows, okay, this may not go well for me. Verse 13, then they set up false witnesses who said, this man never speaks, ceases to speak words against this holy place in the law, for we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses delivered to us. He's referring back to when Jesus said, I'm going to destroy this temple and in three days raise it up, restore it. And guess, guess what he did? He, he destroyed, he was talking about his body. He was talking about, I'm going to raise from the dead. And, and he did that. And Stephen was like, yeah, he did it. And, and these people, though, though, were making up lies. Has anybody ever made up lies about you intentionally? 
you know how this feels. It's 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 terrible, and and you know it's it's um you know you know I'll tell you there there are times that that as a believer when you stand before the Lord when you walk with the Lord and trust Him there may be moments someone will make up things against you. You know what Jesus said in Matthew five? He said, "Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great." For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I mean, yeah, if you were walking with the Lord, you're right in the middle of God's will. Most of the time when we're facing persecution and challenge, we don't think, oh, good, thank you, Lord. I'm so blessed. But we'll see in Stephen's life, he was not focused on this life. And we have a problem. We have something that we've got to correct in our, in our minds as believers that this world is the best place we got that this world is the goal of our lives. This world is not our goal. Heaven is our goal. And Stephen is right here, I mean, in this moment where he was being persecuted, they lied about him. I love Acts 6.15. It says, And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. Now, now this is not a precious moments angel, okay? Um, that's not biblical. I mean, uh, precious moments are cute, and they're fun to put up at your house, I guess, if you want. Uh, but, but that's not what angels are like. I don't think this is a precious moments moment. I also don't think this is a wrathful angelic face, though that is a reality because every time an angel appears in Scripture, what, what do people say? What does the angel say? Hey, it's okay. <laughs> relax. Relax. But this face, face was like that of an angel. I think it was, I love what F.F. F. Bruce said. He said, this was a determination. He had determination in his eyes. That he was like, you know, it's almost like if you've ever met somebody and, and they've, um, they were so confident in what they were saying, you're like, I, they, this is right. This is right. I think there was something as they looked at him that thought, man, he, is, he might be right. I think, that, I think this is an important moment in Saul's life. Saul is there. And I think this is a big moment in Saul's conversion later on. But now, now look at this. Um, how do you develop this, this confidence? Well, point number two today you know, I want us to see in Stephen's life with number one that, that Stephen was, was settled, his heart and mind was settled on Christ, but he also knew the Bible, knew the Word of God. And if you're going to be settled, it's important for us to know the Word, know what the Bible says. And this is why every week we are passionate about turning our attention to the Word of God. We're, it's our prayer and goal to allow the Word of God to speak and I, I do my best, and I try to get out of the way and let God's word come through. It's my prayer that you don't remember me, what I say. You remember what God says. And that's what I pray for all of us. But, but when you think about Stephen, he, he knew the word of God. He knew what, what the Old Testament was like. He knew the Old Testament. He knew about Moses. He knew the law. Now, he didn't have the New Testament like we have today. That's why we study it so, so diligently. But, but Stephen knew what the Old Testament said. He knew what the prophets had said. He knew what Moses had said. 
And, and I'll tell you, here's the thing that's important that we need to, the reason we need to know the word of God, because we, do you know that when you know the word of God, you're able to recognize false teaching? And, and that's where, where Stephen was. He, these guys were telling, teaching something false, and these were the religious leaders, the scribes, and he was like, you're wrong. That's false, even though you have the credentials. Okay, I have a doctorate. So what? So what? That doesn't mean I'm going to always teach what's right. Now, I better. I want you to know the word of God, so if I ever get off track, you go, hey, whoa, time out. That's not what the Bible says. And we've, you've got a responsibility, and it's my job and my prayer that if you ever leave this church, if God ever calls you to another town or another community, that you're able to go hear a preacher and discern if he's teaching the Word of God, because there are preachers with credentials that do not teach the Word of God. And we got to know the Word. Stephen knew it. Now, another thing about the he knew the word of God, and, and he experienced peace under pressure. And here's the thing, that when you're faced with a situation, if you had to get up and preach, or if, when you have to be a witness, if you face that pressure of being a witness, knowing the word of God will help you have peace under that pressure. I love it what God's word says, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Now, Paul wrote this later, but he saw it lived out in front of Stephen where he said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I want you to see that Stephen knew the word of God. Now, we don't have time to break down his entire sermon. I had one commentary say Stephen got killed that day because he preached the longest, most boring sermon ever recorded in Scripture. And that's not true. I think he was joking. If he wasn't, he should have been. But, but let me tell you what, Stephen, let's, let's just kind of quickly give you an overview of the sermon. First of all, they, they accused Stephen of blaspheming Moses, the God, the law, the temple. That's what they were accusing him of. In response to Stephen's sermon, he, he, he first of all, there's two goals of his sermon. He defended himself against the accusations of blasphemy. He said, oh, I haven't blasphemed the temple, these things. I haven't done that. And then he, the second goal is he, he gave this great historical account of the children of Israel, the history of Israel. So here's a Greek, and, and they were accusing me of these things, and he, with no notes, stood up and said, oh, let me tell you about the history of Israel, and he nailed it, nailed it in front of him. He recited history on Abraham and, 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 and that God gave Abraham a promise. He said God's people found themselves in need of a deliverer with Joseph. And, and Joseph was a deliverer, but he was rejected by his brothers. Then, then they, they, they were destitute in Egypt. And he, and, he, and he talks about how Moses was there. And in verse 38 and 39, he said, this is the one. Look at verse, chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. He said, this is the one uh, who was in the congregation in the wilderness together and with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai, who was with our fathers, and he received living oracles to pass on to you. And our fathers, look at this, our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but repudiated him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. Stephen was saying, look, I want to tell you what you've done as he recounted the history of Israel. He basically looked at them and said, every prophet that ever came, you rejected. 
the religious people rejected every prophet. And then he stood up and he said, and guess what? You've done it again. Look at verse 51. I mean, um, he is so, he's so wound up as he answered this, this, preached this sermon. And you ought to go back and read it. But verse 51, he, he looks at them and he says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Boy, what a, what a charge. I mean, you got to realize this is the religious people. This is the, this is the, the people that knew the Bible, that knew the Old Testament. And he called them stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, and you resist the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, I pray, I pray that we are never a church that resists the Holy Spirit. I pray that we are always people that say, Lord, we will listen to your Spirit. Well, I hope we catch that and pray for that. He says, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it. Now, Stephen here, it's interesting, he couldn't have said anything worse. Basically what he was saying, he said that God sent that Messiah that we've been waiting for. And you, you, you rejected him. You're not a part of God. You're not doing what, what God has said. You're, he said, you're dressed up in religion. You call me a blasphemer. You're the blasphemer because you have rejected God's new deliverer, Jesus Christ, the ultimate Savior, the Messiah. You said we will not have him reign over us. Now, um, this is strong. I mean, this is, this is like in your face, kind of evangelism, okay? Now, you got to understand this. Uh, this is not the woman at the well, okay? You know, there, there's, I would want to caution us not to go out, we're going to blow everybody up tomorrow when I go to work, by golly. I'm going to call them stiff-necked people and uncircumcised hearts, you know? I mean, can you imagine if you said that to somebody? You have an uncircumcised heart. People would go, was that an insult? I don't know what that means, you know? But, um, but he was in their grill, can I tell you, there are times that we should be in, in someone's grill. The, the religious people that get it wrong, we got to stand for that. But when it comes to a lost, unchurched, lost person acting lost, woman at the well kind of experience, Jesus' tactic was completely different. The woman caught in adultery, Jesus had a different strategy of evangelism. You know, we need to pay attention to that. We, there's not just one way to communicate the gospel. We've got to learn to know when do we stand up and say, we, we will fight right here, and when to come alongside and say, let us help you through. Let's help you out of the mess. I'm grateful that God helped us help me out of the mess. And I, I do want you to know that um, this was a moment that Stephen had to, had to stand, and it cost him his life. 
Here's the thing, here's the point that I want us to catch. Point number three is that when we are to be ready, we've got to, we've got to be settled on Christ. We've got to know the word of God. But we also have to react with sensitivity and boldness. That, that we've got to be sensitive to the setting, sensitive to the moment, okay? We've got to know who we're talking to. You know, if, if um, in my life, I'm, I'm pretty tough on those that, that make a claim of Scripture and, get a, and, and just say, I'm standing on a false teaching on the word of God. I'm, I'm tough on that. And we should be. We should be tough on that. But when someone is stuck in sin and, and just lostness, we've got to, it's a different strategy, but, but we've got to listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the key. Listen to the Holy Spirit. For us to be a people that say, God, you have our ear, you have our attention, you have our mind, you have our will. Is that who you are as a believer? Are you listening to the Spirit? Then, then we have to speak the words he gives us. And, and, and I want you to know God will give you words because pleasing God is always the primary thing to do. We've got to be a people that say, God, we're going to please you. And I want you to see this, that, that Luke 21, 13 through 15, Jesus said this, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand on how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. And I want you to know that when you serve the Lord and when you are a witness, if you're nervous as a witness in your work or as a witness in your life to your neighbor, as if you're afraid to share the gospel, I want you to understand this, that the Lord will give you words to say. The Lord will give you power. And believe me, as a follower of Christ, you don't want to miss that moment when God gives you strength when you don't feel like you can make it. When God gives you the words to say when you don't know what to say, here's the thing as we close today. We are called out by God, every one of us. And it's my prayer today. I thought, I thought about this today. Lord, if this was the last sermon that I ever preached, today, if, if, if this was the week that you take me to heaven, there's not a better challenge to stand in front of my church and say to you, let's get ready. Let's be ready to die. Let's be ready to preach. Let's be ready to be a witness. You know, I don't know how God has spoken to you today. Maybe you've just been, been going through the motions. Maybe you've just been complacent. Folks, life is too short. Whether you live 18 years or, or 89 years, the bottom line is life goes like this, doesn't it? It goes quick. We got to make it count. We, we got to quit wasting time. We got to get in the middle of serving the Lord. Folks, life's too short. And these days, the days we live are too important. And I'll tell you what, the day I draw my last breath, I pray that he finds me right in the middle of his will. Isn't that where you want to be? You know, you got to start today. Start right now. You may, you may be here going, Chris, dude, I'm not, you're killing me. I'm not ready to die. Like that joke, get it? Um, I thought it was funny. I guess I'm the only one that caught that. But um, I crack myself up all the time. It's fun. But uh, you may think, golly, can you really be ready to die? Yes. It starts with knowing Christ. Maybe you don't know him. You know, you could come to know him today. 
You could know what it's like to be forgiven. You could, have the, you, could, you could receive the gift of eternal life today. Maybe you're not ready because you're just complacent. Today's the day to, to, to recommit your life to Christ and say, God, help me get ready, and I'm going to start today. Would you stand where you are? As you stand, I want you to know we're going to have an invitation. and I'm going to be down front. Several of our staff members are going to be down front. And maybe you need to just come and pray. Our altars are going to be open. But, but we'll help you. 